Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, December 18. Imagine every difficulty, every desire, every attachment soaring up and away from you like a balloon, growing smaller with distance until it disappears. Then return to your essential self and enjoy your release into infinite freedom. I've been studying the spiritual teachings represented by this book since I was, let's see, just before my 19th birthday, let's say 19. I'm 73, so how many is that? That's what, 55, 54 years? That's a long, 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 long time, isn't it? And I've been pretty much wholehearted in my dedication and full-time in the sense of my life has been part of Ananda since 1971. So, you know, those are, these are big numbers. I met Swami in 1969. I mean, these are all big numbers. So, the concept that there is my essential self and the concept that the, there are my attachments and my desires and my difficulties and that the two realities are completely separate. I have so long ago integrated that into... It's more than belief. It's just the way I think of the world. Reincarnation, God-realization, gurus, the ever-living Himalayan master Babaji. These are not like... These are not far-out ideas to me. These are just the way I live. I I, I had an interesting practice of this when I read about a, a man who gave seminars for people who had terminal illnesses and when people would come in workshops like like week-long weekend workshops people would come into the workshop and uh, one of the first exercises that he would have them do you know these are well these were people who were elderly but for the most part they were people who you would might say whose lives were going to end sooner premature although if you think about God being in charge, nothing is really premature. But exiting from this life earlier than they had thought they would. So so at the beginning of the seminar, he has everyone, one of the first exercises they do, they make a list of everything that they're going to miss out on because their lives may end earlier than they expected. I won't grow old with my wife. Perhaps I'll never marry. You know, I'll never have children. Or I won't, I won't be able to dance at my daughter's wedding. I'll never be a grandparent. I'll never really get to see my company succeed. You know, I'll never eat an apple from the apple tree that I planted. Just long and short, my parents will suffer because I'll die before them. I'll never be able to, to bury my father. My father will have to bury me. These are long, long lists of things that are going to happen that we don't want to have happen. And it's, of course, incredibly emotional, and people are 
weeping and struggling dealing with that. Then he has you make another list. And the other list is every difficulty you're going to get to avoid because you're going to die before you expected to die. You know, I'm never really going to have to make sure that my company is a success. I'm not going to really have to pay back my student loans. You know, I'm not going to um, have ever, whatever, I'm never going to have to see my awful mother-in-law again, <laughs> whatever it might be, that I'm not going to have to face. And, and often that's a long list of things that we just don't know how to deal with. And now we're never going to have to deal with them. And one thinks, and it is true, that the first list is the most important list. But this man, who was very skilled, Stephen Levine, very skilled at helping people through this transition, the second list in many ways was the most important because that was the things that we dreaded, and these are the reasons, I mean, to a large extent, not always. I don't want to be, I don't want to be trivial. But the things that we're afraid of and we get to avoid are the things that, you know, it's a whole different part of our psyche that we're working with. But what I found so interesting and going quite apart from that as an exercise in itself, I thought, my, that's a very interesting exercise. I think I'll try that. Now, of course, I have no terminal diagnosis, so there's not all the things that I'm not going to get to have happen. But what is my list of things that I'm going to avoid by dying early? Now, this is what was so interesting to me. The thought of reincarnation was so deeply embedded in my way of viewing the world. The understanding that karma is, the law of karma is absolute, and whatever aberration there has been in my, in my relationship to life, where I have uh, set in motion dissonant energy in whatever direction, by being too attached or, or too revolted by something, whatever aberration I have set in motion will have to be balanced and I will have to come back to center. I couldn't write down anything I got to avoid because the only thing I got to avoid was in one moment and whatever it was that was really troubling me and really was at the core of it, I was going to have to face it anyway. There was no escape, in other words. I must confess that recently I've been involved in a very complicated situation with a whole lot of people and a whole lot of money, and it's just been an inc- impossible Gordian knot that is, I've not been able to untie, and I confess. <laughs> I have thought, oh, I could just die, and I would never have to settle this, and I have imagined it to be a pleasant thought. But it's been balanced very strongly by the other one. And this has been sort of the joke. There have been a lot of people involved in my little team on my side of the, of the issue, of the tug of war. We've all said to each other, whatever it is that God is trying to teach us, we must be extremely eager to learn it because until we learn it, we're going to be caught in the situation. So let's all try to learn it as fast as we can. So dying with unresolved karma is not for lack of trying is how I would put it. Whether it resolves the situation or not, I don't know. So here's where I'm going with all of this. I'm only saying all these things just to express that I've been working on this for a very, very long time. And still, delusion is just incredible. (laughs) Except that there it is, and 
it, it is what it is, that the difference between who we really are and, and what our day-to-day experience is, is just this, it is an absolute constant effort to bring everyday experience in harmony with higher truth. And one of the things that Swamiji is doing with 365 of these suggestions is he's just trying to give us, well, 365 or 66 perhaps, extremely specific things that we can just keep doing. It's, it's like we're, we have a, a, a big thing, a, a big rock that we have to tunnel through. And we just have to tunnel through it. Sometimes I think there's, uh, uh, I've heard about tunnels that were hand dug through the edge, through a mountain, you know, to, to make a shortcut from one village to another in some mountainous area. And over the course of a whole generation, people dug into that mountain and then finally they have a tunnel through and they can go straight across instead of over the mountain. I always think of the first person who made the first dent in the rock. There's these huge underground carved temples in India. So one of my friends visited one of those recently. Just astonishing carved temple. Who was the first person, you know, inside that cave to pick up a chisel and go like that? Just started somewhere. And look at everything that happened. I've written... Uh, I'm going to hold it up because it's a good book and I highly recommend it. It's, a, it's about Swami Kriyananda. It's 45 years of life with Swami Kriyananda. I wrote this book and it's a very good book if I do say so myself. If it wasn't good, I would have kept working on it until it was. It's 220,000 words. I wrote them one at a time. <laughs> and so that's what we have to realize in our spiritual life. It may not work today. It may not work tomorrow. It may not... It may not be an instant like this, but somebody has to pick up the chisel and go like that. Go the first time that we strike against the stone. And no, it doesn't look like a temple at that point, but it will never be a temple unless we pick up the chisel and do the first thing. So Swamiji's suggesting us here, every time we have a difficulty, put ourselves into the final solution. And, and this, is a, this is just a marvelous way to put it. One of my friends made up an acronym. Um, it's called SPIDOG, is what he calls it. S-P-I-D-O-G. And it means solve problems in direction of God. <laughs> and sort of like we invoke SPIDOG. Okay, I have this difficulty. I have this worry. I was just talking about this very complicated situation that I'm involved in with many of my friends and lots of money and all this stuff that we're all caught in. You try to do ambitious things and sometimes it gets very complicated. And we've tried to do very ambitious things for God in the context of Ananda and sometimes it gets very, it gets very complicated. So every time we have a difficulty, just hold it in reference to the divine, spy dog, and try to solve this, what appears to be this little mundane problem by moving closer to God. That's why it says in the direction of God. How can I take this issue and move it toward the infinite instead of holding it and hoarding it more toward myself? This is not an impractical suggestion. This is not saying do nothing, just give it to God, just sit there and wait 
although sometimes you do have to give it to God and just sit there and wait. But trust me, that is not a low-energy alternative. If you actually give it to God you and you actually wait, you have to hold, take all the energy that is screaming for outward action, you have to hold it perfectly still and hold your consciousness uplifted. That's what it means to give it to God. To give it to God is to not to say, oh, I'm not responsible anymore. No. It's to say all the energy I would use for worry and anxiety and, and, and nervous action, I'm holding in stillness and focusing on the divine. That's what we're asking about, solving the problem in the direction of God. And once we become more centered, and once that nervousness and that anxiety is beginning to be resolved, then we can hear the voice of intuition. If we're just running constantly our subconscious tapes of all the things that we're worried about and all that we're angry about and all the conversations, I joke so much about having all these conversations with people who are not in the room, you know, just what I would have said, what I want to say, what I want people to hear. Instead, if we solve the problem in direction of God, and this is where Swami gives us this image, you know, just take the, take the difficulty and imagine it to be just a helium balloon. And just, you just let it go. You just let it rise. I'm not passive in that. I'm standing in the power of the infinite and everything that doesn't belong to infinity is just moving away from me. You see, everything in creation, every experience that we have, no matter what it seems at the time, is ultimately going to resolve into bliss. If I've often said, if this is not the happy ending, it's not actually the ending. And bear in mind, when an incarnation ends, that's not the ending of anything, except I've had this costume on, you know, since the day I was born, and now I'm going to take off this costume, and I'm just going to live in my energy body for a while, and then I'll put on another costume, which is another person, and another set of, of family, and all these self-definitions. But, but I, just the same as dressed as I am now, when I, at the end of this day, when I I take off my day garb and put on my pajamas, I won't feel like I've become someone else. I'll just feel like, oh, now I'm, now I'm me wearing my pajamas. I am always me. You are always you. You happen to be wearing the costume of Joe Smith or whoever you are. I am wearing the costume of Asha. That's, I'm just wearing the costume of Asha. And every difficulty, when, when Asha is done and takes off her costume, every every form of all the things associated with Asha will just go away. My consciousness will still be there. And whatever my unlearned lessons are, they will come to me. But the more completely I have rested in my true self, the greater my joy in the moment, the greater my freedom in the time to come. So, imagine every difficulty, every desire, every attachment soaring up and away from you like a balloon, growing smaller with distance until it disappears. Then return to your essential self and enjoy your release into infinite freedom. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.